Clubhouse. Welcome to Pod Clubhouse Press Pass, your one-stop shop podcast where we take you behind the scenes with coverage of festivals, cons, and live events. This episode features our continuing coverage from WonderCon 2022, which took place April 1st to the 3rd in Anaheim, California. Hey, Caroline, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so glad we got a chance to talk about WonderCon. We had so much fun. Yes. Before we get to talking about the subject of tonight's episode, which is Hulu's Woke, I want to talk all things Kevin Smith to Bob's Burgers. Let's spend this first couple of minutes talking about some of the panels that we didn't have do interviews for, but that we attended and just uh, bat them around a little bit and see what the vibe was. Well, one that we both attended was Kevin Smith, and he was on the first night, which I know that even within the crowd, we were getting a lot of whispers and stuff about like, why is he on Friday night? Why is he not on Saturday night? I think that threw some people, but I thought he was great. He came out there raw, 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 Mike. Very raw. I mean, he he started off by, I mean, he told a stand-up joke. Uh, It was funny, (laughs) but I mean, he came out there basically saying, I have forgotten how to talk in front of people, so... I'm going to warm up a little bit and do a little and, and do a little stand up routine here. And he did. And it was a very funny. It was a funny joke. It was like a 10 minute story, which I will not it, I will not relate here so we can keep it <laughs> as a clean rating. But it was very funny. But once the question and answer portion opened, which was the majority of of his evening with Kevin Smith, got real, real, real fast. He did. He did. He was raw. And, you know, I think that that's something that Kevin Smith is lauded for, is that when you're talking to him, you're getting the real deal. So that was super fun. I think the questions were interesting and, and you know, kind of ran the gamut a little bit amongst his professional career. And then just like, of course, people asking for advice. But, you know, I think that it was it was a great way for me to kick off the con in terms of like an evening panel, because I felt like we were sort of being welcomed by him and also sort of settling into con life again you know i agree i think he made a lot of sense for friday night one i think because saturday they were doing masquerade right they were doing that three hour cosplay tournament which is why i think tournament be- <laughs> uh, because because it's a three-day con instead of a four-day con i think that's why he didn't have the saturday night spot but i felt good though to ease back into con life with kevin on a friday night i mean in in our earlier episodes that we've done as part of our WonderCon coverage we talked about there's some rust on the fenders about how to be around people again and how to con you know and just just (laughs) things as soon as i got to california realizing i didn't bring with me that are just standard fare for all cons i go to (laughs) just sitting on like my nightstand just waiting to be packed i didn't i i haven't done this in two plus years i forgot Your backpack broke, for God's sake. It didn't even know how to be at a con. It was was like, I don't know how to do this, Mike. And it's just yeah. the straps break off. Yes. All the all the zippers break. All of the it's zipper teeth. All of the zip. This <laughs> this backpack has been with me through thick and thin for years. And this trip, it decided it up, you you have opened and closed me too many times, sir. 
<laughs> it unalived itself pretty seriously. I, 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 you told, I thought I just lived in your closet now the last two years. So now, yes, yeah. I'm yeah. going to come out and I'm going to barf all over the floor. <laughs> like, backpack, yes. how dare you? Yeah. If, if I was Dora the Explorer, I would be very upset at backpack, backpack. <laughs> well, thank God you knew someone who could sew that up because definitely it needed to have some CPR action. Yes. And that person was not me. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, uh, yeah. But Kevin, I mean, Kevin was real. And so it was it was an interesting way to ease back into con life with him. But you said that he was raw and he was. I mean, I think the elephant in the room is. And if you guys go on YouTube, we're not playing any of the clips from it. Uh, or I'm, uh, you know, we want to respect his privacy between what was said between him and the thousand plus people that were in the auditorium. But he got really emotional talking about Bruce Willis, who, yeah. um, you know, they had a very public falling out years ago. But now with uh, the medical diagnosis for Bruce Willis, it's a uh, time for reflection and then trying to figure out what's important and life is short and tomorrow is not promised. And uh, yeah, he was crying on stage. It got it was very emotional. It was very emotional. And I think part of that it was heightened by this fact that we're all back together again. This was a moment that this time last year, none of us would have been around to experience together, which I think heightened all of it. Absolutely. So that was a great one. And I mean, I definitely in the future, I would attend a Kevin Smith panel. If you're at any of these cons, I know he goes to Comic Con as well. Definitely check him out. We also got to attend together a panel that I feel like maybe we were bait and switched on or didn't read the fine print (laughs) on a little bit. There was a panel about Ted Lasso, uh, which which we're both big Ted Lasso fans. We consumed the series. My local Mets uh, broadcasters did a a chant from Ted Lasso during a game recently, and I was laughing hysterically in my living room because I love Ted Lasso. Anyway, so, yeah, it was a little bait and switchy. Well, okay. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll say that. I'm gonna say that a little bit differently. I think what you're it was a little bit nicer. Was, Is that what you're saying? Well, <laughs> I'm gonna say that the panel vibe and the, just the vibe of the room doesn't match the vibe of the show. So, because Tad Lasso tends to be a show that's very hopeful, kind of sweet, and also um, happy, you know, for the most part. And I know in the in the latter uh, seasons, there is a lot more heavy discussion, and that's a lot of what they were talking about in this panel. But it was very subdued and that's not really what i think of ted lasso the television show i don't really think about it as a subdued quiet show but the panel itself was very quiet it was in a very much smaller room the lighting was a little odd um in that they had the lights over the panelists turned off and the lights on the audience turned on like kind of opposite to the way we're normally used to it so it just kind of created a little bit of a it was very cerebral. It was It was. It was very clinical therapy. Yeah, and they were really trying to dissect the characters and talk more about the psychology behind some of the aspects of the show. Totally cool. I was happy with one of the questions that an audience member asked about Nate because in all honesty, the panel really shed a lot of light on that character and why he has these issues with Ted and gave a lot of input as to like what his motivations are that honestly, as a viewer, I would not have really thought of it that way. So it did, you know, give me that extra info that you love to get when you go to a television panel and then somebody behind the scenes is giving you more info about those characters so you know for that it was great it was just kind of a like i said a very subdued panel compared to say bob's burgers right which is what you were in right before you came to this one i (laughs) mean big mood switch 
that one was like a carnival, you know, everybody was cheering and, you know, every single actor that came out and creative was just so thrilled to be there. They were sharing parts of the movie that's going to be coming out at the end of May. And they were just so full of life. Man, you guys, if you're a Bob's Burgers fan, you guys are going to love this movie that's coming out over Memorial Day weekend. You're just going to eat it up. They were thrilled with how it came out and and, and did tease that, you know, potentially they had more ideas for a second movie. Also what? loved, I know, they. I loved that they had these little, um, they had a little tip that if you watch carefully in this most recent season, they were doing the season at the same time as they were making the movie. So they were able to kind of drop some Easter eggs during the season into the individual episodes to kind of like tie it in even more. So that was all fun and cool to be like now, oh my God, I'm going to go back and watch those episodes and think about it differently. And then after I watch the movie, definitely go back, watch the season and see if I can see some stuff. And also they gave up posters and pins. I'm staring at my poster literally right now while we're talking. It's like right here next to me. Who doesn't love an awesome giveaway? I mean, come on. I love a poster. And hello, Mike, you have to give a little call out to WonderCon staff. Oh, my girl, Nichelle. (laughs) Nichelle, you are probably not listening to this podcast about WonderCon. If anyone at WonderCon is, because she's apparently going to be over at Comic-Con, I got to tell you, this girl was amazing. She was fantastic. She just had the energy that you're looking for, for someone who's like handling the door and crowds and running panels and that kind of stuff. She's fantastic. Mike and her clicked. She was stationed outside the big room. Uh, Mm -hmm. Their hall H that they were using, essentially, it was uh, room, what, 202 North? Every single time she saw Mike, it was like, ding! Well, she understood the assignment, and and that's all I'm yes. looking for. I'm just looking for people who are just there for the right reasons. And Michelle and and everyone, she knew, her stuff. she knew her stuff. She knew what was going on. She knew where people had to be. She had great information, but she also enforced the rules. No one was getting anything over on her. There was no snow <laughs> jobs with Michelle. She was holding the door down. It was great. Hilarious. She's exactly what you want from staff: helpful, funny, funny, informative. Yeah, and she was there all three days. I think every single time we went by that room, she was there. I think she was sleeping there, maybe. <laughs> I was thinking about the the fact that, like, what would make you fall in love with a staff person at a con? And it's the things you mentioned. Being informed, being, like, quick to help and, and give you correct information, for God's sake. And just keeping, like, an upbeat attitude, not giving you that, like, I just got here. I don't even know what's going on. Like, she was here and she was ready to work. And And that was amazing because we are really working in conjunction with WonderCon staff during these things because we really need to know where to go. They need to be able to let us in the right areas. We need directions. We need all these things that they can be like perfect or they can be like your enemy. You know, where you're like, you gave me the wrong info. Without getting into details, folks. I mean, (laughs) we literally spent like the worst treasure hunt ever. We spent three days, the entire three days of WonderCon only to find something literally as the, (laughs) as the lights were being turned off. No one could answer it. They and didn't that know. Was, and it wasn't on any of the maps. And it was making people crazy. But then it was like someone finally figured it out and they started passing it out to other people. They're like, here's where you were supposed to go. And it was like, oh, that was the spot we were all supposed to be. It was this is crazy information I could regard. have used. <laughs> but it was, it, you know, like I said, the staff in general, fantastic. Everybody kept things moving. And they had a lot of staff. 
Yes, there were a lot of staff, and they were all in good moods. I don't think I had one yeah. bad interaction. Some were more knowledgeable than others. No one was as knowledgeable as Nichelle, but um, <laughs> but they were all there. They all understood the assignment. They were all there. No one gave a wedgie. No one was like, oh, you know, God. no one was all no, like nerds, you know, uh, from no. like Revenge of the Nerds movie, if you guys nothing get that. Nothing like Yeah, that. nothing like that. Really just great positive vibes. And again, these guys are, are they are being masked. They are dealing with COVID problems protocols that as the security and as the staff members they have to enforce rules that we as attendees don't have to worry about right we they have to they have to like drop the hammer and stuff and i think i don't think i saw like one bad interaction i didn't experience one but i don't think i even saw one there was no everyone's mood was very chill the vibe was great the whole weekend it was wonderful yeah i completely agree so this episode, we're going to be focusing on a roundtable interview with the cast and creatives behind Hulu's original series, Woke. For those that are not aware of Woke, which I should say, uh, season two of Woke premiered on Hulu on April 8th, 2022. You can catch up on the first two seasons of Woke on Hulu. There's a total of eight episodes each season. But for those that don't know what Woke is, Caroline, give us a little synopsis of the show. Okay, so this is IMDb's one-liner it's it's incredibly vague really but um but but okay you know i mean this is the storyline keith is an african-american cartoonist on the verge of mainstream success when an unexpected incident changes his life pretty generic pretty vague but having this being season two and getting the opportunity to watch it with you know a crowd of people which is always exciting i think when you're getting a chance to see an episode that hasn't been aired yet um i think that's always fun and exciting and so you know a lot of these people hadn't seen it so it was great to have that that moment there's aspects of the show like having the main character be a cartoonist it's very unique in that a cartoonist can say things and express things in a way that like journalists normally can't or even just like an um, an average reporter or whatever there's things that cartoonists can speculate on or comment on in a way that sort of other people can't right because you kind of have that little elusive shield of humor right that's true so so it was it was fascinating now of course the the creator keith knight is a cartoonist himself and that's how this this whole show was created was that this was him in many ways being keith here on screen so it's a show that i definitely encourage you guys to try out it has a lot going on in it that is going to probably challenge your opinions it's probably going to make you like rethink things that you may have said or done or or you're gonna say boy do i have a friend who acts exactly like that you're gonna see a lot going on in this and i think you're gonna walk away with an opinion and you know there's some shows that you don't you know where you feel like i don't know i could take it or leave it i think this is a show that you will either decide to take or leave and i think you'll be definitive about it here's a slightly longer uh synopsis do you want to read it (laughs) okay sure is Is it like a man who is a cartoonist (laughs) well well, it does start with cartoonist so cartoonist keith knight is now a popular activist on the rise but he's facing a world where woke has become big business can keith and his friends bring about real change or is it just about the dollars and can keith navigate this new world without destroying what he's become inspired by the life and work of artist keith knight woke continues to upend black nerd and activist culture deftly satirizing with a wink and a smile the series stars lamorne morris t murphy blank anderson sashir zamata and jb smooth See, and I think part of the conversation there is that deftly navigates with like some satire and humor. And whatnot. That is 
I thought really true and I thought they were successful, but I know people in my life who would not feel like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So humor is difficult in terms of just, you know, it's people can have their own opinions on it. And and some people are going to think this is great and it hits nail on the head. They totally get it. This humor is right for them. And other people, they're going to be like, this isn't right for me. So what you guys are about to hear here are these roundtable interviews. They were two different interviews. The first one features the actors that were at the con. It's Lamorne Morris, who plays Keith Knight, Blake Anderson, who plays Gunther, and T. Murph, who plays Clovis. The second interview that you'll hear is the creators behind the show. You have Keith Knight, the co-creator and executive producer, Marshall Todd, co-creator and executive producer, and Anthony King, who's an executive producer on the show. So stay tuned for these two interviews. Very informative, and uh, I think you're going to find it very interesting what you hear. Our first roundtable interview is with the actors from Woke, Lamorne Morris, Blake Anderson, and T. Murph. Enjoy. Oh. <laughs> you are really good friends. We are we like are, Legos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seen the Lego yeah. movie? We get more. Come back. There's a few at this table, so we're going to do 12 minutes starting right now, okay? Hot 12. Um, that's tight yeah. I was just curious, you know, what was, you what, up? It's okay. uh, what was your experience like filming in San Francisco this time around, given everything else that was going on? Oh, we were actually in Atlanta. You didn't ATL, even know this. <laughs> cool. I want to say that I love it when I know unit. nothing coming in. That's okay, man. But that's that speaks to how uh, good Atlanta looks on on camera. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted to. I don't know what happened, but we wanted to shoot in San Francisco. I think it's pretty expensive. For all yeah. things, yeah, it's, gotta be, yeah. it's gotta be budget. Yeah, it's gotta be. But Atlanta was awesome. Yeah. No. <laughs> you pooped me with your ace hat too, because I, like, I was like, "You're like battling of the bed." Oakland, it's mm-hmm. all yeah. an illusion, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you guys click right away? Because the vibe between you three—I want an episode where you're just all three in the apartment and you never leave for the day. That's what I want. I to like that. That's a good pitch. Yeah. So did you vibe right away? I mean, did you? Yeah, I mean, I, I I really didn't like this guy right yeah. off the bat, but other than that, she, this is why. <laughs> no, like immediately. I mean, from the from the chemistry read, uh, me and Lamorne were just, you know, we clicked right away, and then when Blake came along, it was the same thing. We were, we were hanging out, you know, prior to the pilot, after the pilot. I mean, all the way up until the first season, and have become become great friends. But we had known each other a little bit prior to. Um, Prior to the show, really, yeah, mm. yeah. TV star, yeah, wow, <laughs> yeah. There's a club. We were in a group chat. Great, didn't know yeah. anything about that. That's a you weren't TV star yet. Wowzers, that's nice. <laughs> Welcome to the life. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's us. It's Ted Danson. It's uh, who else is our group chat? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're from Chicago, so it was kind of uh, it, it just happened. It just you know, and the cool thing about that, I will say. Going back to an old show I had done, the chemistry was great because the lead on our show and the producers wanted to make sure, like, okay, talent is one thing and that's great, but can they all get along? Do those people actually they seem like, you know, a good puzzle that would fit? Our director uh, and our producers did a great job of making sure that was part of the conversation, you know, um, to make sure we all genuinely felt like we liked each other. And, and immediately, from the first time he walked in the room, it, he was just a really cool dude and obviously very funny yeah. but like it was more so 
his energy besides the jokes. Because anybody can be funny, but he's funny like on another level. But he's also like just a really, really, really cool dude. Yeah, dude. If you go to into like a comedy club with T Murph, you'll just see the way people respond to him. He's like friends with everybody, yeah. and you can just tell he's just a very genuine dude and really easy to get along with. And then Lamorne, you know. Being this is his show, he's the star of it. But like, he's so, he's so humble on set, and just you know, that despite what he you hear now, his ego is very in check. And they're just they're just good people, and that it's been that's been one of the best parts of the show is just being able to like get closer as like friends offset too. So. I'm not even mad about the group chat anymore, guys. Thank you. We'll kick Ted dancing out. Yeah, we'll bring you in. <laughs> So what hot-button topics are we addressing in Season 2 that we didn't touch on in Season 1? Uh, whether white people use washcloths in the shower. That's, <laughs> that's, mm, well, tune in. <laughs> tune in. Deadbeat dads. Yeah. yeah. Definitely yeah. deadbeat dads. Um, what is it? White guilt? Some white, white guilt, guilt in there, yeah. In there. Uh, a lot of performative, overnight activism. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, you go on Instagram and tomorrow there's another activist that you're like, I guess I'm supposed to follow this feed. I guess they're speaking to me, maybe. Homelessness? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, homelessness, 100%. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. And I think the cool thing about this season as well is that it's not, it's not, even though the first season was very just open-ended, you know, you know, it just always asks the question. The second season is the same way. There's two sides to every coin. Um what do you do when you want the microphone and then someone gives it to you? Mm-hmm. Okay, now you have it. What do you do when someone gives you the microphone and then they give you a bunch of money? <laughs> do you still care about those same values? Um, you know, uh, so that's the question we asked this season. I think it's going uh, to be a fun one. Would you answer that question the same way your character does? Yeah, uh, y- yes. Yes, remember, yes, remember the script. Uh, yeah. like, like, what did I do? Uh, so much since then. Uh, no, you know, you know what's interesting. I, Lamorne, personally thinks that there's a compromise somewhere. There's always I understand, and we all understand the issues that that need to be addressed. But a lot of times that comes with a, a caveat. It's like, hey, how are we going to get this done? Well, you gotta, you might have to get some some money from somewhere to make this thing happen. It's a constant circle of compromise of give and take because the world isn't one-sided. You know, we all have different points of view. Whatever political coin you're on, for that's that's what that's where we live. <laughs> that's where we live. You know, the man in the high tower over there is a human too. And I guess we got to deal with you know the, the consequences of that. We got to deal with people over here. We got to deal with people over here. We got to figure figure it out. So. Um, our show talks about that uh, this season, and that's how I feel. I, you know, I definitely feel like, you know, it ain't so, it ain't so black and white. Yeah. For Timur, for you, obviously, congratulations on your, your achieving your fitness goals. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> was it, did you feel self-conscious at all, having that incorporated into the plot, or was this more of a celebration for you? Oh, God. No, it was, it was really a celebration. Do you follow him on Instagram? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I showed up to set with anymore. no shirt on. You know what I mean? Like, I, I pulled up. <laughs> no, it, it really was a celebration. I'm happy that they embraced it. Um, just because, I mean, I didn't know how it was going to be received. Um, and, and I'm not talking about the audience. I mean, just the writers in general. Because you book something, right, or someone, and then they come back completely different. Yeah. So, you know, but it, it, it was a pandemic. And I mean, 
I, it was one of those situations where it's like, again, you don't know what's going to happen. So I was like, I got to get in shape, man. <laughs> I can't be out here tired. <laughs> Look, when the, when the war kicks off. <laughs> oh, my God. Your zombies coming and the panel was perfect. I was like, you could kick the zombies ass. Yeah, that's what I was like. I'm you like, got I it. Everybody's seen that episode of The Walking Dead. You right? Know what, you know what happens. Murphy's like weirdly good with a crossbow now. <laughs> He's always sharpening sticks. Yeah, what is what he doing? He's a survivor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, she's not here to defend herself, uh, but working with Shashir, Shashir Zaneda, um, how, how does she fit into your, your trio? Trash, okay? <laughs> the worst. No, no. So, so great. She's so great. super funny. She's uh, one of the best improvisers in the world. So she and you all have different dynamics. Our characters are all different. We all have different points of view. She improvises with each and every one of us differently. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's she's that type of shark. So, yeah, man, it's just fun working with her. Yeah, that, that's one of my personal favorite things about this season is I got to do a lot more scenes with Sashir. She's just, yeah, she's just a pleasure to work with. So it's been fun. it was fun. So, Lamorne, uh, Keith Knight is a cartoonist, and Keith Knight is a cartoonist as well. Can you actually draw? Um, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. No, um, but I'll elaborate. Yeah, I tried. I really tried. You know, they say you put ten thousand hours into something and you become great at it. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. I see little kids that know how to draw certain. I go, no, there's something in their brain that just tells them this is the way a circle is supposed to look. You know what I mean? I couldn't draw a perfect circle to save my life. Never have been able to. And I, and I, when I got this role, I worked my ass off. Like I got markers, I got paper, I, I started tracing things to see if I could do it on my own. You no, can't no. even trace? <laughs> no, no, I can trace. No. I'm, not, I'm not lying to you. Don't, don't, don't double back. It's okay. I don't know if I have a shaky elbow. Or, <laughs> or, or weak wrist. He's just making it. Like, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, I, I can't seem to get it right. It stayed fried. <laughs> I never perform well under pressure. Wait a minute. No, that's not what I meant. <laughs> shaky elbow. He looks at the camera. <laughs> so, other than your own characters, which characters do you feel like you personally really Person, uh, yeah, mine, but not me. Huh. Um, <laughs> Ayana. Yeah, Ayana. I feel like I really good character probably because a lot of times I'm just. It can be black and white with me. Uh, it's either it's it's real or it's not, or you're down or you're not. Like so, yeah. I like how blunt she is at times. Um, I would probably say. I would probably I would I would probably say T Murph's character Clovis because I actually have a shoe collection as well. I'm not as obsessed as he as he is, but I'm very particular about just LeBrons. That's like not Jordans, anybody else. I have them, but like LeBrons. So and and then I'll argue with you about it. And that's that's this. And he has a lot of basketball references for a season. You know, people think he's Baron Davis. He'll lie. There's a lot of James Harden. So I'm a huge basketball fan, so I'd probably say Clovis. I guess I would go with Keith just, uh, you know, because he's just always trying to do, you know, the right thing. But there's just so much thrown at him at so much, so, so, so often. And just, you know, just that internal battle. Like, you know, I think that's something that I can, I can see in in myself. 
see Keith inside you. Pause. I can see Keith inside you. <laughs> and I do. At night, in my dreams. Right. Right. As people in the spotlight, do you guys feel like you have that same pressure of, like, be true to yourself, but also don't piss anyone off? All the time. Yeah. yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. All the time. There's certain bits that you want to do in, in interviews that you want to go crazy on this one. Sort of, and then you and then you think about the ramifications of it and you know people might not get it or i might i might accidentally say the wrong thing like ah shit you know, <laughs> you, all the time you think about it all the time because you do have to also that does come with the job though is having to have that ability to be considerate of the space you share with other people you know just because you're the actor doesn't mean you get to do the thing all the time when you want to you know even if it's a joke you know so that's the the fine line you have to to learn how to walk She's gonna die. <laughs> She'd give it a die. You guys ran into the wallet problem? Or you find a wallet? A wallet and I haven't found a wallet, but I've I've seen like you said it today. Hey. <laughs> well yeah, I mean it's, it's just it's just certain scenarios where I'm just like, I'm good. Like I'm just not, you know, I'll I'll see something and I'm like, this isn't for me. You know what I mean? So you know. today we were I was um we were sitting down in the other room, and there was a there was a purse sitting in the chair. Oh yeah! And I wanted a place to sit, but I was like, "Someone's purse is here. I can't sit here." And somebody else said, "Just move it." And so I said, "All right." So I moved it to a different seat, and then he we're goes, immediately arrested. He goes, he goes "Why?" <laughs> suddenly that suddenly that purse had thirty thousand dollars in it. <laughs> 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 I was like, that's what I mean. That's, I'm like, I'm good. I'm not touching. It. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our next interview for Woke features the co-creators and executive producers behind the scenes. We have Keith Knight, co-creator and executive producer, Marshall Todd, co-creator and executive producer, and Anthony King, executive producer. Hope you enjoy. Uh, congrats on, on getting the second season. And thank you. Thank, thank you. Um, Keith, I was curious to know, uh, you talked a little bit about it in the panel, but the difference between you and this on-screen character that's sort of based on you. Um, are you able to see like a, a clear divide of, of what, what, what you feel is you and what you see portrayed? Oh, certainly so. I think one of the, we made the character to be a lot more naive than, than myself in real life. Like I was already doing cartoons about police profiling and brutality when the incident with the police happened to me. So it wasn't like, oh, wow, this happens. Um, but it, it, it's, you know, it's for the audience, the journey of that. But um, Lamorne and I have had similar sort of, I don't know, just our existence are, are on a parallel thing. It's just him and acting and, and me and cartooning. So I think we had a lot of things in common. But the co I, the elevator pitch for the character is he's the Charlie Brown of activism. You know, he's trying to do the right thing, and and things don't go as well as as he had hoped. Yeah. Uh, to the audience's joy and amusement. <laughs> So I was going to ask, like, you know, you kind of touched on Lamorne. Um, how was it knowing when you guys cast him? Like, how did you feel about that, knowing that he was going to play, play yourself? It, you know, it's, it's interesting because we went through a lot of auditions and stuff, and then when we found out he was interested, yeah. um, you know, it was just like, oh, okay, you know. And I think since it was so early on, when you heard these names of these really talented people, the same thing happened with Blake. 
was like, wow, Blake's interested. Oh, that's great. We'll never get him. So we just kept on yeah. looking and looking. <laughs> and, um, and honestly, like, all we could do was just look. At, you know, we created these, these scripts and, and these sides for them to do. And they just they knocked him out of the ballpark. Yeah. And, and yeah. honestly, like, with, with Blake, Gunther was the hardest one to cast. Because there were dudes who could do the stoner thing, but they sort of came on creepy. And, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. But uh, Blake was just just consummate professional. Just, you know, you can just be Blake. And, like, yeah. it's amazing the sort of crossover. Talk about, you know, the first season having that crossover index, that key fest. Blake, like... He can walk in anywhere, and everyone's like, ooh, ooh, workaholic. And, you know, and then they're buying him drinks and everything. It's just amazing. It's amazing. The second season, what are we going to be talking about most, and what were you absolutely passionate had to be included in there as a subject that you were going to approach? Uh, I think for us, I'm, the whole theme of it was sort of the commodification of woke. So right. what happens, and I think we talked about it, it's like what happens when Charlie Brown becomes the most popular person in school? Like, so suddenly, like, you know, Keith is, has this platform and people are listening to him and corporations are sidling up to him. So, um, you know, what happens when it doesn't go as, as well as planned. So um, I think that was a huge thing. But also, you know, one of the big subjects, especially in San Francisco, is homelessness. And so we addressed that in the show. Uh, I think that was, that was pretty important. But also, uh, you know, uh, the effect of uh, social media, too. How is this project different from working on projects like Bad Boys and Barbershop, like, what were you open, like, what was different from, like, it's more, um, when I met him, we had a lot of similar experiences as well, this was closer to something I really wanted to do, <laughs> the other stuff was a job, and it's, it's sort of hard, like, Bad Boys 2 was, is a thing, it's a house that's already built. Yeah. So you come in and your your secretary is moving words around. This was more. I got it. I'm inside of something, and we're building this house. And, and granted, he already had the IP was his comics. Yeah. But sort of when I met him and we started talking about this, it's a house we're building together. And, and then we, when he came on, it was just you know it, it clicked. Um, See, so yeah, I, I the short answer is I really care about this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. <laughs> for Anthony, I know you joined for the second season. Yeah. We worked on Broad City before this. Um, what's the biggest difference in writing for, I guess, cable, where you can, you know, get by with like TV fourteen uh, level stuff, and working for streaming, where you're not so constrained by, you know, time and rating. Yeah, I mean, they're very different shows, obviously. Uh, the, I mean, with this show, they, I got on board because they already had a lot of what they wanted to do in season two and the things they wanted to explore and I just thought they were uh, really interesting ideas and so I was I, my job was to kind of take their, the things they wanted to do and help you know make those happen uh, and I think a big kind of shift we wanted to make in season two was that in the first season it's really focused on Keith and he said this traumatic thing happened to him and, and it's very internal and to 
now that he's speaking out more to change the focus of the show to that too and have more of the ensemble, have more uh, uh, focus on the relationships between the characters more. Uh, and so we kind of tried to push it out and make the show feel bigger uh, in season two. So that was like another big, another big push. Well, making it feel bigger. My thing is I love when the three roommates are together. So I want an episode that's just the three of them in the apartment talking. <laughs> 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 that's all. Believe me, yeah. I think I think Hulu and everybody would like that too. Yeah, I think I think I'm them all together. Promising uh, uh, three episodes for season three, where it's their bottle episodes. <laughs> one in an elevator. And one Gunther just showering. <laughs> Without a washcloth. Oh my goodness. <laughs> if there's That's one, funny. yeah. It, it, I, it's funny because whenever I see that washcloth, I see there should be a face on it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't drop me that. Like, actually, you know. <laughs> The, um, the first episode kind of t- touches a little bit on changes that we've seen, you know, in the world since the first season ended. Um, how much are you guys surprised by, uh, you know, progress or lack thereof, and all the the few steps forward, few steps back that we keep making as as you're telling these stories? Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, my concern during 2020, I've said this a million times, was is this a moment or a movement? And, and I hate to be a cynic about this, but it, it was a moment. And that moment has passed. So now the issue is how do we profit from that, that moment? And the residual feelings and emotions that are left over, so now it's sort of become a corporate thing. And now you have the sort of a battle between the so-called woke end of things and the people who are anti-woke. So now it's sort of split down the middle and there's a sort of conflict that, that surprises me. Um, I don't think we were expecting that. Really? So, so yeah. uh, that I'm, I expect okay. that. <laughs> the cynical. I fully expect. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's. I mean, it's always going to happen. It happened yeah. with politically correct. Oh, we're going to be politically correct. No, yeah. everything's going to be woke, and it's just like it's such a it's it's a, a, a silly thing, and yeah, like it's not a surprise that you know the most everybody's done is put Black Lives Matter signs in their yards and you know I would say that there are more ads now with mixed race couples so like that's that's progress it's just you know the real change takes real work and and right now there aren't enough people willing to make that work and and, you know there's plenty of people who want to ban teaching stuff in school even though it's not even taught there, yeah. but like yeah. we're seeing basically history play itself out again and again and again because they were doing the same thing with evolution in like the 20s yeah. uh, and teens. And then like at, right after the Civil War, uh, there were people going into, onto school boards saying, don't, you know, don't teach it that it was about slavery at all. Don't, you know, it's where... We don't teach the history of this country very well. And so we're destined to repeat it over and over again. So, I mean, and that's probably the reason why our show will have a great shelf life, you know? Mm -hmm. 
the heart is so evident and in it with all of you guys and then with your your cast are so they're so vulnerable about it like it's such an honest conversation yeah. about like i want to be woke but i want to be woke in the right way yeah. and how do i not piss off other people but be true to myself all of your comments mm -hmm. it was so wonderful how do you guys walk the line with that where you're like i want to show this honesty and i, I want to do this but we also have to show what the important issues are and like how do we show what's the right way when yeah. what is the right way yeah i mean that was a big thrust of season two was how we wanted to we realized that it was it's all so complicated yeah uh, and it feels heavy to like uh to, to try uh and so we tried to explore what that means i mean we have um uh, I, I would give some little thing away we have a scene that is literally it's a self-help group for white people who are trying uh, to to be uh, more woke and are failing at it and don't and feel bad about it. Uh, so there's we're, we want to acknowledge that desire and the work that people are trying to do, even in the struggle of that, uh, because I think we're all feeling it. Uh, like, how do we make it better and not feel like we're failing all the time and have people mad at you? Yeah, and, and that's it's interesting because when I do slideshows, I do slideshows around the country with my work and. And that's the biggest question that white people ask. It's like, I'm afraid to do it because I don't want to do anything wrong. And it's like, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about making the effort. Like, it's, it's and I say this all the time, you know, if you've ever gone to France, they say, oh, make sure you learn some French because they get all mad if you speak English. They, they don't live. And so I got so nervous that I would like... I learned as much as I could. And then when I went there and tried to say it, like, people were like, you know, um, that's really nice that you tried to do that. But I speak English. And, and they, they just, they were just appreciative of the effort of, of doing it. So, like, no one's going to get mad at you because you actually are care about something. You know, it's like... It's, it's, but then when you showed Keith and like he was trying to say things he cared about and then people were like, oh, but what about, you're not saying it this way. And it was like, wow, like that's very honest that you could get feedback that's very negative for him. Well, I, yeah, I, I, again, we, we want to show the gray area of it. Like there's no black and white. And in fact, if there was an alternative title for this show, <laughs> it would be the gray area, you right. know, and uh and but it just did not test well. So. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Oh lord! Yeah. You know, I'd rather have a show a show called Woke where people either, you know, they're into it or they hate it. You know, because a lot of times the people that hate it the most are sort of the people that are obsessed with it the most. And it's just like, you know, uh, that that's what they said about Howard Stern. Like people who right. like hated Howard Stern listen to him longer than people who like yeah, Howard Stern, yeah. which is. Yeah really interesting not please don't call us the Howard Street <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh guys we have to wrap it up thank you guys right. so much for your time thank you just want to thank uh, Sony Pictures for making all of the talent available. Thank you to Lamorne, Blake, uh, T. Murph, Keith Knight, Marshall Todd, and Anthony King for making themselves available. And again, we've said it in all of these episodes from WonderCon coverage, roundtable interviews can be a lot. They can be exhausting <laughs> for the participants as well as the talent and the creatives who are having to answer questions in rapid fire style from around the table of different reporters with different agendas. And, and, and everyone's got their own questions that they're bringing to bear. So so just want to thank them all for making themselves available and, and uh, giving us a glimpse behind this Hulu series, Woke.
Season two of Woke premiered on Hulu on April 8th, 2022. You can catch up on the first two seasons of Woke on Hulu. There's eight episodes in each season. And like I said, I think you're going to walk away with a definitive feeling if this show is for you or not. There's something to be said to be like just that clear, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, listen, I mean, I think comedy that makes you challenge your assumptions or makes you think about what your actual opinion is on something, which maybe you've not thought about for whatever reason, is is uh, not a bad gut check to have every now and then. It's It's a good thing to stop and think about where you actually stand on an issue or at least begin the conversation of where you stand, right? Some of these are very complex ideas and maybe you've never really spent a lot of time thinking about it. So you are not going to come to an answer right away, but at least you can begin having the conversation about where you stand and where other people stand. Please head over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash podclubhouse, as well as our sister site for written content, popculturereview.com, for more coverage from WonderCon 2022 and all of our Press Pass podcast coverage. Thanks for listening. The three P's of podcasting. (laughs) Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.